Hello, everyone. My name is Shreya, and you're listening to the Harry Potter Podcast, in which every episode, I read a chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. In the last episode, we read Chapter 9, The Midnight Deal. In this episode, we'll be reading Chapter 10, Halloween. So let's begin! Chapter 10, Halloween. Malfoy couldn't believe his eyes when he saw that Harry and Ron were still at Hogwarts next day, looking tired and perfectly cheerful. Indeed, by next morning, Harry and Ron thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been an excellent adventure, and they were quite keen to have another one. In the meantime, Harry filled Ron in about the package that seemed to have been moved from Gringotts to Hogwarts, and they spent a lot of time wondering what possibly need such heavy production. It's either really valuable or really dangerous, said Ron, or both, said Harry. But as all they knew for sure that about the mysterious object, that was it was two inches long, they didn't have much chance of guessing what it was without further clues. Neither Neville or Hermione showed the slightest interest in what lay underneath the dog and the trap door. All Neville cared about was never going near the dog again. Hermione was now refusing to speak to Ron and Harry, but she was such a bossy know-it-all that they saw this as an added bonus. All they really wanted to know was a way of getting back at Malfoy. And to their great delight, just such a thing arrived with the post about a week later. As the owls flooded into the great hall, as usual, everyone's attention was caught at once by a long, thin package carried by six large screech owls. Harry was just as interested as everyone else to see what was the large parcel, and was amazed when the owl soared down and dropped it right in front of him, knocking his bacon on the floor. They had hardly fluttered out of the way when another owl dropped a letter on the top of the parcel. Harry ripped it open the letter first, which was lucky because it said, Do not open the parcel at the table. It contains your Nimbus 2000, but I don't want everybody knowing you've got a broomstick or they'll all want one. Oliver Wood will meet you tonight. I requited pitch at 7 o'clock for your first training session. Professor McGonagall. Harry had difficulty hiding his glee as he handed the note to Ron to read. A Nimbus 2000! One moaned eventually. I've never even touched one. They left the hall quickly, wanting to unwrap the broomstick in private before their first lesson. But halfway across the entrance hall, they found the way upstairs barred by Crab and Goyle. Malfoy seized the package from Harry and felt it. That's a broomstick, he said, throwing it back to Harry with a mixture of jealousy and spite in his face. You'll be for it this time, Potter. First year's on allowed them. Heron couldn't resist it. It's not any old broomstick, he said. It's a Nimbus 2000. What did you say you got at home, Malfoy? A Comet 260? Ron grinned at Harry. Comets look flashy, but they're not the same league as the Nimbus. What would you know about it, Weasley? You couldn't afford half the handle, Malfoy snapped back. I suppose you and your brothers have to save up. Twig by twig. Before Ron could answer, Professor Flitwick appeared at 
Malfoy's elbow. Not arguing, I hope, boys, he squeaked. Potter has been sent a broomstick, Professor, said Malfoy quickly. Yes, yes, that's right, said Professor Flitwick, beaming at Harry. Professor McGonagall told me about the special circumstances, Potter. And which model is it? A Nimbus 2000, sir, said Harry, fighting not to laugh at the horror look of Malfoy's face. And it's really thanks to Malfoy here that I've got it, he added. Harry and Ron headed upstairs, smothering their laughter at Malfoy's obvious rays and confusions. Well, it's true, Harry chuckled as they reached the top of the marble staircase. If he hadn't stolen Neville's remembrance, I wouldn't have been in the team. So I suppose you think that's a reward for breaking the rules, came an angry voice just behind them. Hermione was stomping up the stairs, looking disapproving at the package in Harry's hand. I thought you weren't speaking to us, said Harry. Yes, don't stop now, said Ron. It's doing us too much good. Harry marched away with her nose in the air. Harry had been a lot of trouble keeping his mind on his lessons that day. It kept wandering up to his dormitory, where his new broomstick was lying under his bed, or straying off to the Quidditch pitch, where he'd been learning to play that night. He bolted his dinner the evening without noticing where he was, and with Ron he went upstairs to unwrap the Nimbus 2000 at last. Wow, Ron sighed as the broomstick rolled onto Harry's breadspread. Even Harry, who knew nothing about the different brooms, thought it looked wonderful. Sleek and shiny, with mahogany handle. It had a long tail and neat straight twigs, and Nimbus 2000 written in gold near the top. As seven o'clock drew near, Harry left the castle and set off to the Quidditch pitch in the dusk. He had never been in the stadium before. Hundreds of seats were raised in stands around the pitch so that the specters were high enough to see what was going on. At either end of the pitch, there were three golden poles with hoops on the end. They reminded Harry of little plastic sticks smuggled children blew bubbles through, except they were fifty feet high. Too eager to fly again to wait for wood, Harry mounted his broomstick and kicked off from the ground. What a feeling! He swooped in and out of the goalposts, and then sped up and down the pitch. The Nimbus 2000 turned wherever he wanted at his lightest touch. Hey, Potter, come down! Oliver Wood had arrived. He was carrying a large wooden crate under his arm. Harry landed next to him. Very nice, said Wood, his eyes glinting. I see what McGonagall meant. You're really a natural. I'm just going to teach you the rules this evening. Then you'll be joining the team practice three times a week. He opened the crate. Inside were four different sized balls. Right, said Wood. Now, Quidditch is easy enough to understand, even if it's not easy to play. There are seven players on each side. Three of them are called chasers. Three chasers, Harry repeated as Wood took out a bright red ball about the size of a football. This ball is called a quaffle, said Wood. The chasers throw the quaffle to each other and try to get it through one of the hoops to score a goal. Ten points for every time the quaffle goes through one of the hoops. Follow me. Chasers throw the quaffle and put it through the hoops to score. Harry recited. So that's sort of like basketball on broomsticks with six hoops, isn't it? What's basketball? 
said Wood curiously. Never mind, said Harry quickly. Now, there's another player on each side who is called a keeper. I'm keeper for Gryffindor. I have to fly around our hoops to stop the other team from scoring. Three chasers, one keeper, said Harry, who had determined to remember it all. And they play with the quaffle. Okay, got that. So what are those for? He pointed at three balls left inside the box. I'll show you now, said Wood. Take this. He handed Harry a small club, a bit like a rounder's bat. I'm going to show you what bulgers do. Wood said, these two are bulgers. He showed Harry two identical balls, jet black and slightly smaller than the red quaffle. Harry noticed that they seemed to be straining to escape the straps holding them inside of the box. Stand back, Wood warned Harry. He bent down and freed one of the bulgers. At once, the ball rose high in the air and then pelted straight at Harry's face. Harry swung it at with the bat to stop its breaking his nose and sent it zigzagging away into the air. It zoomed around their heads and then shot at Wood, who dived on top of it and managed to pin it to the ground. See? Wood panted, forcing the struggling bulger back into the crate and strapping it down safely. The bulger's rocket are trying to knock players off their brooms. That's why you have two beaters on each team. The Weasley twins are ours. It's their job to protect their side from the bulgers and try to knock them towards the other team. So think you've got that? Three chasers try to score with the quaffle. The keeper guards the goalpost. The beaters keep the boulders away from their team. Harry rolled off. Very good, said Wood. Uh, have the boulders ever killed anyone? Harry asked, hoping he sounded offhand. Never at Hogwarts. We've had a couple of broken jaws, but nothing worse than that. Now, the last member of the team is a seeker. That's you. And you don't have to worry about the quaffle or the bulgers, unless they crack my head open. Don't worry, the Weasleys are more than a match for the bulgers. I mean, they're like a pair of human bulgers themselves. Wood reached into the crate and took off the fourth and last ball. Compared to the quaffle and bulgers, it was tiny, about the size of a walnut. It was bright gold and had large, fluttering silver wings. This, said Wood, is the golden snitch. And it's the most important ball of the lot. It's very hard to catch because it's so fast and difficult to see. It's a seeker's job to catch it. You've got to weave it in out of the chasers, beaters, bulgers, and quaffle to get it before other team seeker. Because whichever seeker catches the snitch wins his team an extra 150 points. So nearly always win. That's why Seeker get fouled so much. A game of Quidditch only ends when the snitch is caught. So it can go on for ages. I think the record is three months. They had to keep on bringing on substitutes so players could get some sleep. Well, that's it. Any questions? Harry shook his head. He understood what he had to do. All right. It was doing it was going to be the problem. We won't practice with the snitch yet said Wood, carefully shutting it back into the crate. It's too dark. We might lose it. Let's try you out with a few of these. He pulled a bag of ordinary golf balls out of his pocket, and a few minutes later, he and Harry were up in the air, Wood throwing the golf balls as hard as he could in every direction for Harry to catch. Harry didn't miss a single one.
which Wood was delighted. After half an hour, night had really fallen, and they couldn't carry on. That Quidditch Cup will have our name on it this year, said Wood happily as they trudged back to the castle. I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out to be better than Charlie Weasley. And he could have played for England if he had gone off chasing dragons. Perhaps it was because he was now so busy with what Quidditch practiced three evenings a week on top of his homework. But Harry could hardly believe what he had realized. He had already been in Hogwarts two months. The castle felt more like his home than Privet Drive ever did. His lessons, too, were becoming more and more interesting now that he had mastered the basics. On Halloween morning, they woke up to the delicious smell of baked pumpkin wafting through the corridors. Even better, Professor Flitwick announced in charms that they thought they were ready to make objects fly, something that they had been dying to try since they'd seen him make Neville's toad zoom around the classroom. Professor Flitwick put the class into pairs. Harry's partner was Seamus Finnegan, which was a relief because Neville had been trying to catch his eye. Ron, however, was working with Hermione Granger. It was hard to tell Ron or Hermione was angrier about this. She hadn't spoken to either of them since the day Harry's broomstick had arrived. Now don't forget that r nice wrist movement we've, that we've been practicing, squeaked Professor Flitwick, perched on top of his pile of books as usual. Swish and flick, remember? Swish and flick. And saying the magic words properly is most important. To never forget, Wizard Barfield, who says S instead of F, and found himself on the floor with a buffalo on his chest. It was very difficult. Harry and Seamus swished and flicked, but the feather they were supposed to be sending skywards just lay on the desktop. Seamus got so impatient that he prodded. It was his hands and set it on fire. He had to put it out with his hat. Ron, at the next table, wasn't having much more luck. Wingardium Leviosa, he shouted, waving his arms long like a windmill. You're saying it wrong, Harry heard Hermione snap. It's Wingardium Leviosa. Make the gar really long. You do it then, if you're so clever. Ron snarled. Hermione rolled up her sleeves of her gown, flicked her wand, and said, When Guardian Leviosa, Feather rose off the desk and hovered about four feet above their heads. Oh, well done, cried Professor Flitwick, clapping. Everyone, see here, Miss Granger's done it. Ron was in a very bad temper at the end of the class. It's no wonder no one can stand her, he said to Harry as they pushed their way into the corridor. She's a nightmare, honestly. Someone knocked into Harry's as they hurried past him. It was Hermione. Harry caught a glimpse of her face, and it started to think that she had tears in her eyes. I think she heard you. So, said Ron, but he looked a bit uncomfortable. She must have noticed she's got no friends. Hermione didn't turn up for the next class, and wasn't seen all afternoon. On their way down to the Great Hall for a Halloween feast, Harry and Ron hovered part with Patil, telling her friend, Lavender, that Hermione was crying in the girl's toilet and wanted to be left alone. 
Ron looked still more awkward at this. But at a moment later, they entered the great hall, where the Halloween decorations put Hermione out of their minds. A thousand live bats fluttered from the walls and the ceiling, which a thousand more swooped over the tables in a low black clouds, making the candles in pumpkins stutter. The feast appeared suddenly on the golden plates, as it had started off term banquet. Harry was just helping himself to a jacket potato when Professor Quirrell came sprinting into the hall, his term in Askew in terror and face. Everyone stared as he reached Dumbledore's chair, slumped against the table, and he gaps. Troll in the dungeons! Thought you ought to know! He then sank to the floor in a dead faint. There was uproar. It took several purple firecrackers exploding from the end of Professor Dumbledore's wand to bring silence. Prefects, he rumbled, lead your houses back to the dormitories immediately. Percy was in his element. Follow me, stick together, first years. No need to fear the troll if you follow my orders. Stay close behind me now. Make way, first years coming through. Excuse me, I'm a prefect. How could a troll get in? Harry asked as he climbed the stairs. Don't ask me. This must be really stupid, said Ron. Maybe Peeves let them in for a Halloween joke. They passed different groups of people, hurrying in different directions. As they jostled their way through a crowd of confused Hufflepuffs, Harry suddenly grabbed Ron's arm. I just thought about Hermione. What about her? She doesn't know about the troll. Ron bit his lip. Oh, right. He said, but Percy better not see us. Ducking down, they joined the Hufflepuffs, going the other way, slipped down a deserted side corridor and hurried off towards the girls' toilet. They had just turned the corner when they heard quick footsteps behind them. Percy! His drawn, pulling Harry behind a large stone griffin, peeing around. However, they saw not Percy, but Snape. He crossed the corridor and disappeared from the view. What's he doing? said Harry. Why isn't he down in the dungeons with the rest of the teachers? Search me. Quietly as possible, they crept along the next corridor after Snape fading footsteps. He's heading for the third floor, Harry said, but Ron held up his hand. Can you smell something? Harry sniffed, and a foul stench reached in his nostrils, a mixture of old socks and a kind of public toilet no one seems to clean. And then they heard it, a low grunting and a shuffling footfalls of gigantic feet. Ron pointed at the end of the passage to the left. Something huge was moving towards them. They shrank in the shadows and watched it all merged in the patch of moonlight. It was a horrible sight. Twelve feet tall, its skin was dull, granite gray. Its great lumpy body, like a boulder with its small bald head perched on top like a coconut. It had short legs, thick as trunk trees with flat, horny feet. The smell coming from it was incredible. It was holding a huge wooden club, which dragged along the floor because its arms were so long. The troll stopped next to the doorway and peered inside. 
It waggled its long ears, making up its tiny mind, then slouched slowly into the room. The key's in the lock, Harry muttered. We could lock it in. Good idea, said Ron nervously. They edged towards the open door, mouths dry, praying that the troll wasn't about to come out of it. With one great leap, Harry managed to grab the key, then the door, and lock it. Yes! Flushed with their victory, they started to run back up the passage. But as they reached the high corner, they heard something that made their heart chops. A high, petrified screamed, and it was coming from the chamber that they had just locked up. Oh no, said Ron, pale as a bloody baron. It's the girl's toilet! Harry gasped. Hermione! They said together. It was the last thing they wanted to do, but what choice did they have? Wheeling around, they sprinted back to the door and turned the key, fumbling in their panic. Harry pulled the door open. They ran inside. Hermione Granger was shrinking against the wall opposite, looking as if she was about to faint. The troll was advancing on her, knocking the sinks of the walls as it went. Confuse it! Harry said desperately to the one and seizing a tap he threw it as hard as he could. The troll stopped a few feet from Hermione. It lumbered around, blinkingly stupid, to see what made the noise. Its mean little eyes saw Harry. It hesitated and made for him, lifting his club as he went. Oi, pea brain! yelled Ron from the other side of the chamber. He threw a metal pipe at it. The troll didn't even seem to notice the pipe hitting his shoulder, but it heard the yell and paused again, turning its ugly snout towards Ron instead giving Harry time to run around. Come on, run, run! Harry yelled at Hermione, trying to pull her towards the door, but she couldn't move. She was flat against the wall, her mouth open with terror. They shouted, and the echoes seemed to be driving the troll berserk. It roared again and started towards Ron, who was nearest and had no way to escape. Harry did something that was both very brave and very stupid. He took a great running jump and managed to fasten his arms around the troll's neck from behind. A troll couldn't feel Harry hanging there, but even a troll would notice if you sting a long bit of wood up its nose. And Harry's wand had still been in his hand when he jumped, and it had gone straight up into one of the troll's nostrils. Howling with pain, the troll twisted and failed its club. With her Harry clinging on for dear life, any second the troll was about to rip him or catch him a terrible blow with the club. Hermione had sunk to the floor in fright. Ron pulled out his wand, not knowing what he was going to do. He heard himself cry the first bell that came to his head. Wingardium Leviosa! The club flew suddenly out of the troll's hands, rose high, high up into the air, turned slowly over, and dropped with a sinking crack onto the owner's head. The troll swayed on the spot and then fell flat on its face, with a thud that made the whole room tremble. Harry got to his feet. He was both shaking and out of breath. Ron was standing there, with his wand still raised, staring at what he had done. It was Hermione who spoke first. Is it dead? 
I don't think so, said Harry. I think it's just been knocked out. He bent over and pulled his wand out of the troll's nose. It was covered with what looked like clumpy gray glue. Ugh, troll boogies. He wiped it on the troll's trousers. A sudden slamming and loud footsteps made the three of them look up. They hadn't realized what a racket they had been making. But, of course, someone downstairs must have heard the crashes of the troll's roars. A moment later, Professor McGonagall had come bursting into the room, closely followed by Snape with Quirrell bringing up a rear. Quirrell took one look at the troll, let out a faint whimper, and sat quickly down on the toilet, clutching to his heart. Snape bent over to the troll. Professor McGonagall was looking at Ron and Harry. Harry had never seen her look so angry. Her lips were white. Hopes of winning three points for Gryffindor faded quickly from Harry's mind. What on earth were you thinking? said Professor McGonagall with cold fury in her voice. Harry looked at Ron, who was still standing with his wand in the air. You're lucky you weren't killed. Why aren't you in your geometries? Snape gave Harry a swift, piercing look. Harry looked at the floor. He wished Ron would put his wand down. Then a small voice came out of the shadows. Please, Professor McGonagall, they were looking for me. Miss Granger! Hermione had managed to get to her feet at last. I went looking for the troll because, because I thought I could deal with it on my own. You know, because I read all about them. Ron dropped his wand. Hermione Granger telling a downright lie to a teacher. If they hadn't found me, I'd be dead by now. Harry struck his wand up its nose, and Ron knocked it out with its own club. They didn't have time to come and fetch anyone. It was about to finish me when they arrived. Harry and Ron tried to look as though the story wasn't new to them. Well, in that case, said Professor McGonagall, staring at the three of them. Miss Granger, you foolish girl! How could you think about tackling a mountain troll on your urn? Hermione hung her head. Harry was speechless. Hermione was the last person to do anything against the rules. And here she was, pretending she had to get them out of trouble. It was as if Snape had started handing out sweets. Miss Granger, five points will be taken from Gryffindor for this, said Professor McGonagall. I am very disappointed in you. If you... Not hurt at all. You'd better get off to Gryffindor Tower. Students are finishing the feast in their houses. Hermione left. Professor McGonagall turned to Harry and Ron. Well, I still say you were lucky. But not many first years could have taken a full-grown mountain troll. You each will win Gryffindor five points. Professor Dumbledore will be informed of this. You may go. They hurried out of the chamber and didn't speak at all. And they cried the two floors up. It was relieved to be away from the smell of the troll, quite apart from anything else. We should have gotten more than ten points, Ron grumbled. Five, you mean, once she's taken off Hermione's. Good of her to get us out of trouble like that, Ron admitted. Mind you, we did save her. She might have not needed saving if we hadn't locked her up with that thing, Harry reminded him. 
They had reached the porch of the fat lady. Pig snapped, they said, and entered. The common room was packed and noisy. Everyone was eating food that they had been sent up. Hermione, however, stood alone by the door waiting for them. There was a very embarrassed pause. Then none of them, looking at each other, they all said, Thanks! and hurried off to get their plates. But from the moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. There were some things you can't share without ending up liking each other, and knocking out a 12-foot mountain troll is one of them. Thank you for listening to me read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 10. Halloween. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you have any compliments or suggestions for this podcast, you can go look in the website in the description, and I have linked the podcast's Instagram, and you can direct message me on that. I hope you enjoyed this, and I'll see you in the next episode.